You know, as we as pastors and ministers, many times we see people that are searching and come to us and searching for victory and some of them even giving up. And, you know, and we see people all the time that are, and you probably do too, fighting mental battles, physical battles, uh, financial, relationship, custody, inheritance, spiritual battles. All of these things we uh, know of people or we, our own selves, are are in these kind of battles. And, uh, you know, we we have a way to win. Most people just don't put it into practice or don't realize it. And uh, it's Mark eleven twenty three. Mark eleven twenty three. Whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he'll have whatever he says. Now, this verse clearly tells us how to deal with the battles of life. You believe in your heart and you say it with your mouth and it'll be done. I mean, according to what God's word says. And you could say it like this. Your victory's in your talk. Or you could say it another way. Your victory's in your mouth. Or you could say it. Your victory is in what you say. You know, uh, this is the principle of faith that my dad lived by that he taught me and my sister. Uh, it enabled him to rise up off the bed of sickness as a 16-year-old boy. Enabled him to defeat uh, uh, death. It enabled him to live above the effects of a broken home. It enabled him to overcome the circumstances of poverty and lack. It enabled him to rise above being just an obscure preacher in Texas to be known as the father of the modern day faith movement. He didn't like that, but they called him that anyway. All of this because he understood what you say consistently according to the word of God and believe in your heart is what you're going to get. Now, it's one of the greatest principles that you can learn. And that is to begin to say Say, say, you know, uh, you have to believe it in your heart and, and consistently say it. <clears throat> now we have, I know it, there's such Tony, I mean, there's such Doug Jones back there and he traveled on the road and stayed over in dad's house and, and he will tell you that the man consistently said all the time, he said it. He said it, and, and it's a it's a principle that a lot of people never got got a hold of. Some people come off with confession, and yet confession is good. But you got to say the word of God says say it. In fact, if you ask him any question, his first response is, "What does the word of God say?" Because that's what you got to say. That's what you got to say. Uh, you know, Doug came here and I don't know how old you were when you came, Doug, huh? 21. And he's been here ever since, except for a little while when he wandered in the wilderness. <laughs> Got you, Doug. <laughs> and, uh, you see, con- saying the word of God is a lifestyle. 
It's not just a panic button. It's a lifestyle. It's, if you say the word of God is not working for you, it won't work. If you say the word of God is working for you, it will work. You say it. You know, uh, people who's, who, who walk in victory, listen at their talk. I'm talking, even in the natural, just in the natural, I'm talking about, talking about ourselves. people that walk in victory in the natural, they are always talking positive. They're always talking. I can, and they're always on the, they're never on the negative side. I mean, a lot of athletes in here, I know Tony Cook, it, well, he went to Butler University on a, on a tennis scholarship. And I guarantee you that he never stepped on a, on, on a court with a racket in his hand. So, well, I'm just going to play the game. I'm gonna, I know I'm going to lose this game. There's no use even going out there. If that's your attitude, because that's what's going to happen to you. And people do not realize it is important what they say. Now, let's look at some people in the Word of God. David's victory over Goliath was in his mouth, was in what he said. Oh, yeah, I know he had five stones and a, and, and a slingshot. But Goliath began to ridicule this young kid. He began to, you know, tell him, hey, what am I? Uh, am I a dog that you come out here like this and so forth? But what is important is what David said. What David said. First Samuel 17. First Samuel 17. I give y'all a chance to turn there. I'm going a little fast, but I don't know. I've sort of got over in the preaching mode here lately. Actually, that's what I, on Sunday morning I've been, I've been, actually I've, the last three Sundays I've preached messages that I used to preach out on the road and, and when I was an evangelist and some of them, I've all, I only preached them that one time. They put them in a little mini book and I never preached them again but so I decided to start uh, going in and getting some stuff out of those books and y'all need to hear it anyway. So, <laughs> and I noticed I preach it better the second time than I did the first time. <laughs> in fact, the great preacher Charles Spurgeon said that you couldn't even preach a sermon properly until you preached it 50 times. <laughs> okay, you found that? Then David said, look at that. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. I want you to notice what he's talking here. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you and take your head from you. He'd been, the giant told him, I was saying, and this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that's a big, that's big talk from a little 17 year old that's about five foot nine probably or 10 they say. And he's going up against a nine foot giant. <laughs> but you see, he is saying what he believes that his Lord Jehovah is going to do for him. So then, the, the, you know, the, the, 
Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword and the spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to David, that David, I want you to notice, David hurried and ran toward him. Then David put his hand in the bag and took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead. He fell on his face on the earth. David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there, were, but there was no sword in David's hand. Therefore David ran, stood over the Philistine, took, the store, took his sword, drew it out of his sheath, killed him and cut off his head. But I want you to notice that it was what David said that brought him the victory in the first place. He, he was saying what he believed that his God would do. When we begin to say what we believe our God will do is when it will come to pass. David's word paved the way for his actions. Your words will pave the way for your action. It's impossible for you to do your best best while you're talking negative. David's David's words declared victory before he ever even took a step to run to the battle. Hello. See, his victory was already won when he went there. All he had to do was carry it out. Anybody getting anything out of this? I, I sort of thought this was good myself. The Roman centurion in Matthew 8. The Roman centurion in Matthew 8. And he came to Jesus. Okay? And uh, he asked for his servant to be healed. And, and the Lord told him, yeah, I'll come. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. Now here we hear him saying, and and he is telling Jesus to say, speak the word. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now, I want you to notice that he was very specific. He understood authority. He understood Jesus' authority, but he also understood that if he was going to receive it, Jesus had to speak it. See, he said He said something very specific to Jesus. He said, only speak the word and my servant will be healed. I'm talking about speaking tonight. If you'll ever notice when Jesus got, when he stood on the boat, he said, peace be still. He said to many of them, rise and be healed. He said. He said what he believed. Now, many people say, oh, he was Jesus. Not, he was not operating for, thir- for that 33 or 33 and a half years, or whatever chronological report you want to go after. He was not operating as deity. Yeah. 
He was operating as man because there would be no use for Peter saying what he said in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. If he was operating in his deity, God wouldn't have to anoint him. He was operating as a man. That's why he had to be anointed to show that mankind, us, we can be anointed with that same power, that same anointing that Jesus had. Hello. You know, you, you learn to fight the battles of life, whatever it is, healing or whatever, by speaking specifically to it, not in generalities. You see, the response of Jesus was, go your way as you have believed, so it shall be done for you. And his servant was healed that hour. You see, the victory is in your mouth. In what you say. You either talking the word or you talking your feelings. You either talking positive or you talking negative. Hello. I mean, you have to get a hold of this. I mean, I, something tried to get a hold of me two days ago, I guess. Yesterday, I, but I, uh, I kept speaking to it and also used a, a, a natural stream of healing. You know, God, see, there's two streams. God created two streams of healing, natural and supernatural. Sometimes you can use both of them together. Hello? Because I'm getting ready to leave and, and go Sunday to, I leave Sunday afternoon to go to Florida to do a, a week of crusades. Uh, three days in one place and three days and nights in another place in Florida. And I, you know, the enemy trying to attack. And I, did, you know, I, 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 you have to recognize how you feel. But I kept saying, I'm not going to take this. I'm not going to be down. Now, I was smart enough not to do something stupid. You know, a lot of some people, they won't even rest. They just keep trying to keep going. No, I did rest and do some things that you need to do in the natural. Sometimes some people are speaking in the supernatural, but they're not doing anything in the natural with any actions. James said, hey, show me your faith without action. I'll show you my faith by my action. That would be the way we would say it, our corresponding action. Hello, that wasn't in the notes, so I just throw that in there. That's free of charge tonight, okay? <laughs> now, look at, at, at Matthew 9, 20. We could go to Mark 5. That's the same story. Mark 9, 20. The story of the woman with the issue of blood, or... Mark says issue, Matthew says flow of blood. A woman who had flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she, what? For she, what? For she said, if I only may touch his garment, I shall be made well or be made whole. And Jesus turned around when he saw her and said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. She said, 
she said. When she said it, I don't know where she was. The Bible doesn't really tell us. I just assume she was in her house. The reason I do that is because you go read the story from Mark 5, 25. You find out that she had had this thing for 12 years and that she had been to many physicians and she had spent all of her money. So I assume that she was sitting in her house somewhere because, or because she didn't have any money to go to any doctors. So there she was, destitute, sick. And it says, when she heard of Jesus. Well, what'd she hear? Well, she had to hear what Peter said at Cornelius' household, and I've already quoted how God anointed Jesus and the Holy Ghost power went about doing good and healing all the oppressed of the devil. She had to hear that he was healing. When she heard that he was healing, she had faith and she began to speak. You see, when we hear the word, it should have faith, cause faith to rise in our heart and we should begin to speak with our mouth. That's, that's the simplicity of faith. Now, a lot of people try to make faith hard, but that's the pure way right down to the nuts and bolts. That is the pure simplicity of faith. And sometimes because it's so simple, we don't get a hold of it. We think because it's religious, it has to be complex. And if you've studied theology, you'll find out that theology is a complex subject the way they make it in the theology books. Thank God I don't have to do those anymore. You know, she was physically ill and she said, actually the Amplified says that she kept saying, if I can touch his body, I shall be restored. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us. It says when she came to Jesus, there was a crowd there. I don't know where he was. I don't know where she came from. I don't know how she got there. I assume she had to get there somehow because uh, uh, she had to find out where Jesus was and there was a crowd there. And now as the crowd is there presenting her a problem because she is not supposed to be out in the general populace according to Leviticus, the law, Jewish law that she was living under. Now she has two problems, a crowd, and does she defy her religion? See, you, sometimes you have to defy the re religion, but you never have to defy the word, the real word of God. And I can just see her. I, 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 this is just my own imagination, but I mean, it's as good as yours. So, because the Bible doesn't tell us these things. It does tell us she got in. I can imagine, she said, she said to herself, if I can get in there and touch his clothes, I'll be whole. If I can get in there and touch his clothes, I'll be whole. As she worked her way through the crowd. And when she touched him, her victory came. Because that's what she had said. 
I have heard my dad, I mean, I'm a teenager traveling with him out in crusades and even afterwards, but I, uh, Pacific, specifically, I remember when I was a teenager traveling with him, I, I would hear, because he would do, he would do healing signs on Tuesday and Friday night back there in the 50s. He would do healing lines. And he would sit on the platform in a chair and people would walk by. And then he would teach Every morning he would teach on faith and he would tell the people that needed to get in the healing line on Tuesday or Friday night, he'd tell them, he'd say, you get in these morning sessions and if you'll do what I teach you, you will be healed. And I would hear him telling me, he'd say, you begin to believe it and say on Tuesday night, when hands are laid on me, I will be, I will be healed. I heard him tell people that in, in later on. I don't know whether Doug, I don't know whether you ever heard him. Did you hear him tell people that? Say, when I get in the healing line, I'll be healed. And he would tell them, keep saying it. Keep saying it. You know, I watched those people. And they, everybody that would say it, they would get healed. And I, I would see him ask some of them because he would see that. And he would say, have you been have you been?" Because I, I saw you, you're sitting right there on the front row. Have you been saying that when you get in this healing line, you'll be No, I just expect the power of God to heal me. Well, they didn't, you know, they didn't believe. They got to say it. You got to say something. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to say something. And it has to be consistent with God's word. You see, you'll find that the victory is in your mouth. What you say. Whoever says to this mountain. Now, mountain there, according to Strong's, is a figurative term that means our problems, our difficulties, whatever. Actually, he was speaking, he was looking at the Mount of Olives when he said this, okay? Because he was, when he said this, he was coming from Bethpage up across the edge of the Mount of Olives over here, looking down and going, and he was going to go, he would go down through the Valley of Kidron, up and through the Eastern Gate into the city. And Peter recalled to him, he said, Look at this tree that you cursed. And Jesus said to him, them in 22, have the God kind of faith, have the kind of faith that God has. And then he went on to explain it. Whoever says this mountain, be thou removed, be the cast into the sea. And no doubt he was looking out across there to the, to the, 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 the dead sea over there. That was probably, I don't know, about 30 miles away, I think it is. I'm not sure on that, uh, but it's close to that. And you can't do it today, but back in that day, without any pollution, you could see, oh, you can see that far. How many ever noticed that you get, you get out into western, the western part in Montana and Wyoming and get up on them mountains and you can see for miles because there's no pollution or anything out there? Anybody ever noticed that? Around here, you get up in a building, you can't hardly see sometimes. <laughs> but 
He said, cast in the sea and believes it in his heart and says it with his mouth. He'll have whatever he says. He is telling us then, he said, have the God kind of faith. And then he turns around and tells you what the God kind of faith does. It believes in his heart and it speaks with his mouth. Now, I realize that all of you have heard this time and time again, but it doesn't hurt for you to have this reiterated because it builds you up again. And then some of you have to realize that we got new people coming in all the time and some of them hadn't heard some of this stuff. Come on now. And then besides that, you need to hear it again too. Get all stirred up about saying it, about saying it. Hello? You know, Proverbs 6, 2 says you are snared. Another translation says you are taken captive by the words of your mouth. Hello? What you say, there it comes again. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, you, what, what you say either brings life or brings death. Oh, I didn't say it, the Bible did. So don't get mad at me. One of the most powerful weapons you have is learning how to release your faith by saying that is one of the most powerful weapons you have to release your faith by saying and when that happens, it releases the power of God to go to work for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, what are you saying? See, it doesn't matter what walk of life you're in. Whatever you say will directly affect the quality and the quantity of your life. See, often we set limits on what we experience later by what we say. You know, something happens really good. Man, I just can't believe that. That's all right. No, wrong. I don't know. Wrong statement. Say, man, what I've been talking about just happened. I realize that people do that and they don't understand what they're doing, but they do it because they're, they, they just say, man, they, they can't understand how it, how it happened. They just, they, they just, you know, hey, you don't have to understand how it happens. All you've got to do is believe and say. Believe and say. Keep saying it. Now, if you say you're going to win, you'll win. If you say you can't win, you won't win. You know, uh, I see people all the time. They say things that they don't believe. All the time. I'm talking about saying things that they need. I mean, I know a guy one time, he, he was all the time, he said, man, I know faith works. I'm saying it. I'm going, I'm going to get a car. I'm, I say it. I say it. I, I believe it. I say I'm going to get a car. I said, no, you don't believe it. What? I said, no, you don't believe it. I said, if you believed it, you would clean out the garage because you couldn't get a car in your garage for the junk that's in there if God give you one. I said, you don't believe you're going to get a car. 
I said, he said, well, I'll clean the garage out when I get the car. I said, that proves, you, that proves you're going by, not by faith, but you're going by what you see. Come on now. You believe in you're going to get a car? I said, go out and get the stuff to, that it takes to keep it clean and keep it all up. I said, then you got actions with what you're saying. Some of you look at me sort of funny. Like my dad used to say, like a toad frog in a West Texas hailstorm. Whatever that meant. I let Doug tell you. <laughs> I think Doug asked him that one time. And he told him, he said, well, he said, if you get one of them frogs out there in West Texas, there ain't nothing for it to get under. But if you scrub uh, mesquite trees and, and the hail just beats down through it and beats them up. He said, he said that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I don't know. He used to have all kinds of sayings, you know. Probably some of them may have heard them, but, you know, uh, a donkey brand in a tin barn at midnight. <laughs> now, only some of you people that have been on a farm ever heard a donkey bray. Man, especially in a tin barn about 2 o'clock in the morning, a donkey start bringing echo. It echoes for miles. Ain't that right? That's a farm boy right there. Man, when I was in the Army and going through basic training up at Fort Leonardville, Missouri, we had to take care of an old donkey. Now, that donkey had, he, he had done something in the war or something, and he was, you know... He was, he had been a general at one time and he got busted down to a sergeant because he, and donkey was mean. But we, it was our company's responsibility to take care of this donkey. We had to feed him and brush him and he'd kick you and he'd bite you. And, and, and this old donkey, I mean, and, and he'd wake us up half the time. You'd hear about three o'clock in the morning. Oh, oh. Some of the guys, I got where I just turn over and go back to sleep. I said, oh, I said, that's old Sarge out there. He's upset about something. One night we, you know, the first platoon, the second platoon, and the fourth platoon, we were, it was cold. I mean, it was snowing outside. And we were, and we, they had cold furnaces. And you had to have furnace, a guy doing furnace duty back in that, back then. Because I was the last training regiment to train with the M1 rifle and the last training regiment to live in those World War II barracks up there at Fort Leonard Wood. And so we still, we had coal-fired furnaces in each barrack. Well, that donkey got out and chased the fireman that was on duty into, into the 4th into the, uh, platoon, I think it was, fire room and wouldn't let him out. So the fire went out and the rest of it, he kept their fire going. And man, we woke up and everybody was freezing and what in the world's going on? So we got out, got to looking, you know, went down the furnace room, no fire going and we got it going again. And we wondered what happened to the fire guard. And we got to looking and sure enough, he was, that donkey had him pinned up over there and he, he wouldn't let him out. So we got... And it was about four o'clock in the morning now because well, we got some ropes and re-roped him and we put him back in his pen and and uh, so and he got busted to private from sergeant to private. <laughs> That's honest truth. 
Now I got everybody's attention back. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 23 said, let us hold fast to our profession or confession or let us hold fast and, and we could say what we, to what we say. And we wouldn't, we wouldn't do harm to the scripture by putting that. Hold fast to what we say. For he is faithful uh, without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. You know, there's some people, you see them one day, they're talking, they saying one thing, you see them the next day, they're saying something else. Anybody ever seen anybody like that? You know? See, Hebrews tell us, hold fast. Turn to your neighbor and say, your victory is in your talk. In the word of God, we can go to many others. Sibor Phoenician woman, Joshua, Caleb, many others in what they said. Caleb and Joshua are the only two that got to go of the old crew that got to go under the promised land because they said, we can do it. Let us go up at once. They said it. They got it. Hallelujah. Anybody get anything out of this tonight? It's time to quit anyway. Everybody stand up and thank God because the word of God says that we can say to our problems and you speak to your problem tonight. Whatever it is, speak to it. Tell it to go in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Take a hold of it. Take a hold of it. Take a hold. I hear That's what I hear coming out of me. Take a hold of it. Take a hold of it. Grab it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory. Well, praise God. I trust you got something out of this. I trust you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed preaching tonight. All right, or teaching or whatever it is I did tonight. I don't know, whatever you call it. Hey, listen, if you happen to be here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, or you happen to be here and you need to rededicate your life to God, or you want to receive the Holy Spirit, or you want somebody to pray with you about anything, The ladies are here and the men are on this side. As we're dismissed, come to the front. They'll pray with you and you won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. Hey, remember all of the the announcements, okay? And be here Sunday morning. We'll be preaching. I I worked on a message today. It's called the prison doors open. What are you still doing inside? So come believing, come expecting. Turn around and shake hands with somebody and say, oh, First-time guests, go get those first-time guests. Sorry, thank you, thank you there. Uh, Marcus, thanks for the help. Sometime. Hey, uh, we're so glad that you chose to be with us tonight. we got a special gift for you. If you're looking for a church home, come on back home. Amen. If you're just passing through, then make this your home away from home every time you're in our area. Remember, if you need prayer for anything, come to the front now. Shake hands with somebody and say, I don't know about you, but I'm going to make my talk right. How about you? We'll see you Sunday morning. God bless.